The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Massage Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Adkins, along with Jorge Cisneros, and Elaine Kalenda is off playing, doing something fun today, I think. So we are here today. We are we have a guest, and we first want to let you know that you can find us at massagepodcast.com. Our phone number for a text message or voicemail is 303-656-9850. You can leave us a an email on our contact page on our website and of course you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Sorry folks, I blinked out there for a second. <laughs> Today our guest is Barrett Dorco. He is a physical therapist, a speaker, and author who conducts simple contact workshops with cross-country education. Barrett, we'd like to thank you so much for uh, joining us today for an interview. And I'm going to go ahead and let you tell us more about yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, great. Thanks, Don. I appreciate you having me on the, on the show. Uh, I'm a physical therapist. I graduated from Ohio State University in 1973, so I've been around for quite a while. I uh, began my career uh, typically and traditionally in physical therapy, but very soon became enamored of manipulative care, in which I was trained and uh, trained others for uh, the first five or six years of my career. Uh, then, uh, after working in a specialty clinic in Atlanta, primarily for spinal pain, I moved back to Ohio in 1979, uh, conducted a private practice for the next 28 years, uh, all the time uh, regularly conducting workshops across the country on my uh, various forms of manual care as they evolved, and uh, began to write. I've written for several different publications and uh, closed my own practice in, 1970, in 2007. I uh, began working uh, since that time as a speaker and writer and uh, conducting clinical practice in various skilled nursing facilities in my region. Uh, at this point, uh, I'm still doing all three of those things and uh, occasionally doing podcasts and interviews of one sort or another. I see myself principally as a writer and primarily as a clinician. And... Uh, that's why I'm on your show today. Now, this is obviously a show about massage, and we'd like to know if the simple contact workshops are something that massage therapists can take and get continuing education education credits for. It's an excellent question. Uh, my most recent two-day workshop was conducted uh, under the auspices and uh, direction of the Massage Therapy Association of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. And I've been contacted by the uh, Massage Therapy Association of uh, St. Louis uh, to do something there in the very near future as well. So the massage therapy community is certainly increasingly on board with this particular form of manual care, uh, a method I developed over the last few years, and I think it's perfectly appropriate for massage therapists to understand painful problems as neuroscience has taught us they exist, and to apply their uh, special skills as manual care providers 
Academy, there is no difficulty obtaining continuing education units for these courses, and I certainly can help with any of the uh, arrangements that uh, need to be done for such a thing. For many years, I had massage therapists in my courses when I was teaching for cross-country, which I no longer do, but uh, there's a fairly common audience. So you're so at this point, the massage therapists can sign up for the simple contact workshops? I, absolutely. Okay. And can you explain to us more about simple contact and exactly what that is and how it would benefit people, any, any type of body workers? Certainly. Uh, I think that this work begins with an understanding of what neuroscience has taught us about the painful condition these days. Uh, perhaps first and foremost, uh, someone like Ronald Melvac, who along with Patrick Wall in 1965 developed the gate theory of pain. Uh, Ronald Melzack has continued to go on and write, as did Patrick Wall up until his passing in 2001. Melzack developed in 1999 what is known as the neuromatrix theory of pain, a model of uh, input and output to the brain that explained much of the phenomena we see with our patients or clients and certainly uh, supports the idea that the re- response to painful signals output by the brain is to move instinctively in one direction or another so as to resolve our problems. I, I often begin with my classes saying if I were to twist your finger until it hurt, we not only know why that would probably hurt, that is the brain is being threatened by anoxia to the nervous tissue at this point, we also know that the, uh, the best response to this is your instinctive movement in a direction that reduces the anoxia and increases the blood flow once again. This does not require that I manipulate your system, but rather that I make you aware of what direction you need to go and allow you to go there. This is really uh, part and parcel of creating a context, which is something I think the massage therapy community is particularly good at. They understand that in order to apply their wares in the most effective way, they need to create an environment or a context for the client that allows the client to become increasingly who they might be, Uh, and that would require uh, a non-judgmental and uh, relaxing environment. Not something you often see in physical therapy, but it's really important in uh, pain relief, no matter who the uh, therapist happens to be. Simple contact is a method of management that is both verbal and manual that enhances another's awareness of their already ongoing processes and encourages their continuation toward the resolution of this, which usually requires some movement on the part of the patient. Does that help a bit? That does. For instance, um, maybe you can paint a little picture for us. For instance, someone comes in with neck pain, severe neck pain that maybe radiates down the shoulder, down the trapezius. And um, so in a session using the simple contact method, where would you begin? Can you kind of walk us through just a little bit, maybe, so we can get a better idea? Yes. Uh, I think it's first and, uh, first and foremost important to recognize that the location of the patient's discomfort, although extremely important to the patient and, and must be recognized and addressed, all pain is neurogenic. That's a very powerful phrase, but it's absolutely true. true. All pain is neurogenic. If there isn't something in the signaling tissue, and that's only the nervous tissue, that 
leads to leads the brain to conclude that the part is being threatened, there will be no output of pain. The nervous tissue being a continuous organ, top to bottom, front to back, side to side. You can literally have the patient move any part of their body in one way or another, instinctively or not, and potentially change the irritation present in the nervous tissue. If the pain is in the neck, it does make sense to go ahead and handle the patient's painful part or to handle the parts near there, but you have to always take into account whether or not that might be a threatening thing to the patient. And uh, in my experience, and over 40 years and tens of thousands of patients, it's not uncommon for the patient to uh, uh, conclude that any additional manipulation, even the gentlest of handling near the painful part, is threatening. So you go elsewhere. It's perfectly possible for this to alter the input into the brain and thus alter the brain, brain's output of pain. If someone's left arm hurt so much that they didn't want to touch, you could work with their right arm. You could work with their foot. You really wouldn't make that much of a difference. But then a few moments, if the characteristics of correction begin to emerge in the patient, that is to say, they move in a fashion that brings blood flow to the surface, that uh, induces muscular relaxation, well, then you're, you're in a good spot. And you stay there until you go someplace else. So th this is not a, uh, a series of techniques that you employ one spot after the next in response to the patient's complaint of uh, location as far as their pain goes, but rather a way of understanding that it is the nervous system that you're addressing and your relationship to that nervous system through your own nervous system is a very, very important thing in uh, massage therapy practice context would have been taken care of. I have to worry about people bouncing a ball near the head of my patient when I'm working because I work in physical therapy gymnasium. Mm. Not something massage therapists would have to worry about. They do a much better job of setting the patient up for the introspection and introception that is essential for recovery. Is, uh, is there just one workshop or are there a series of simple contact workshops? Can this be done and is this a weekend you know, I've taught, I've taught courses in uh, as little as one day, not at all uncommonly, and I, I really think that's important. Uh, I think it's important to emphasize that what I have is not so much a skill that needs to be practiced over a prolonged period of time or through a series of workshops, but rather an understanding of what neuroscience has taught us and then assistance to the student with uh, writing and uh, discussion. And the Internet is, is built precisely for this so that they might find out more about what it is they should be doing. I, a patient asked me today how I got to where I am from my uh, education at Ohio State, and I said, well, you my patients led me. And uh, without question, they, have, they led me away from manipulative care, from coercive care, toward a much gentler handling that, that produced a unique, or rather invited, and enhanced a unique uh, instinctive response. I don't. I don't think it would take a series of courses to make that clear to a, a practitioner. Right. I, I think that the, the literature is right there and freely available on the, the websites that I write for SomaSimple.com, where I write a blog post every day and have uh, hundreds of uh, essays. Aside from that, uh, is welcoming of any practitioner who wants to go there and read and ask questions. This is free and non-commercial site. And what is, what is SOMA Simple? What is that website about? The uh, read line on the top is, uh, uh, let me think, what the heck is the read line? Uh, it's, for, it's for physical and manual therapists. 
primarily. Uh, what you find there are active members, uh, currently a, a little over 500 active members, but uh, well over 6,000 uh, current uh, or 6,000 therapists from around the world that have joined us to talk about painful problems and their management with uh, a variety of techniques and methods, but mainly through increasing understanding of what's going on. Soma Simple was originally uh, developed by a man named Bernard de Lalande, who was a physiotherapist in Lyon, France. The server is in Switzerland. Many of the uh, moderators, and there are about a dozen, many of the moderators are from the U.S. and Canada, but also New Zealand and uh, and Europe as well, uh, Australia. We have a massage therapist, Karen Lyons, in uh, Victoria, British Columbia, recently joined us as a moderator, and she's been a wonderful treasure to uh, to uh, our understanding of what the massage therapy community thinks, and she is a uh, particularly adept at finding uh, literature, in the peer-reviewed literature, that uh, supports and helps us discuss further some of the intricacies of this very complex problem we call pain. And for those of you listening, uh, we are speaking to Barrett Dorco about simple contact um, body work workshops that he also has a website, BarrettDorco.com. And on your website, you have some wonderful inspiration as far as poetry. I was reading some of that today. And it's, I, I wanted to ask you, on your website, you mentioned abnormal neurodynamics. And I'm sure we have an idea of what that is, but can you explain that to us just a little bit? This is a... It's one of my favorite topics. The abnormal neurodynamic is a uh, an essential diagnosis. That is to say, it tells you what's wrong and where it's wrong. It's not like uh, neck pain, which doesn't tell you what's wrong. It only tells you what the patient is complaining about. Sometimes we are stuck with what they call a nominal diagnosis, a name for the condition, without knowing what the condition actually involves. But once we come up with an essential diagnosis, and I have an essay on my website about this called Incantation, when you come up with an essential diagnosis like fractured humerus, well, you know where the humerus is, you know what a fracture is, you know what to do. Abnormal neurodynamic means that the nervous tissue is not evidently moving freely within the patient or client. When I extend my knee, I have to get unfolding of the nervous tissue within and gliding of the nervous tissue within, within its interface uh, in the system. If that doesn't happen freely, there will be a threat to the nervous system, or there will be anoxia in the nervous system, and threat perceived by the brain. The brain will say, you're not going there because that hurts too much to do that. Uh, I will often uh, ask a, a sweet old woman, remember the last time you got arrested and they put you in a hammerlock? I, I find this a funny question that it kind of breaks the ice. And uh, although she's never had her hand pulled back behind her back, she's seen this on TV. The reason that hurts is because the nervous tissue has been pulled tautly. Normally, it lies loosely within us. This is a, a well-known anatomical fact, and a great deal is written about this in uh, Breach's classic text, uh, Adverse Mechanical Tension in the Central Nervous System, 1978, where a neurosurgeon found that the vast majority of people he operated upon did not have a compression of the nervous tissue, but rather a tautness where slackness should have been. This can happen without anybody doing it to you uh, as the end result of simply living our lives, habitual postures, trauma to the system as well. If the nervous system cannot move freely, we cannot move freely. 
resolving that requires that we move in a fashion that reduces the neural tension in the system, which is why when people sit for a while, begin to hurt, they stand up and walk around, they feel better. My feeling is that we have to create a system that can tolerate sitting, you know, tolerate the lengthening in the cord and uh, associated nervous tissue necessary for sitting. That can be done if the body is allowed to move instinctively. That's what your motion is. This is what simple contact promotes. Does that help? It does. And this is where the simple contact workshop helps therapists to assess. Obviously, there must be a lot of assessment involved in the beginning. Well, you know, uh, there's another essay on my website. There are about 300 essays on the website. There's, a, there's an essay titled The End of Evaluation. Mm. And uh, it is about the fact that, that quite commonly therapists very carefully look at the structural attributes of the patient hoping to find symmetry or asymmetry that would account for their relief or uh, or their problem. And this has all been discounted markedly in the literature on what leads to the origins of pain. There are four origins of pain. The primary one that we can deal with as therapists is mechanical deforming. The system has been deformed beyond its tolerance. This is oftentimes virtually impossible to see. You can't see it in someone because the word tolerance uh, introduces all kinds of unique variables in the patient. But that doesn't mean that if the patient, what the patient can do is simply tell you, I can alter my pain with position or use. Then the answer to that simple, simple question means I am mechanically deformed. And when I reduce the deformation, I can alter my pain to less when I move in a fashion that accelerates the mechanical deformation, and make it worse. When the patient answers yes to the question, can you alter your pain with position or use, I figure I have a, an opportunity to help them by eliciting motion that would naturally resolve such a, a, a thing. Uh, Patrick Wald, who I mentioned earlier, uh, the neurologist in England, always said that uh, in response to a painful signal, you will withdraw, then you'll protect and then you will resolve the motion. And these uh, movements of withdrawal, protection, and resolution are all instinctive. They must be done without plan or willful intent. That's what motion is, and that's what simple contact promotes. Uh, to move instinctively, however, is something our culture very much frowns upon. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they want us to pose and posture and, and look a certain way. Yeah. Any movement that that is outside the, the realm of, of the norm is, is well, you know what the culture does with that. And I, I read extensively about that. And I, I think it's tragic that patients, uh, oftentimes, and I'll be perfectly frank with you, in a uh, physical therapy department, patients are made to look a particular way, not feel a particular way. Mm. Uh, and I, I want to say, I bite my tongue, but I can say it here, I want to say to some of my colleagues, why don't you just become a hairdresser and get it over with? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested in what they look like. I'm interested in how they feel when they move. And, and to me, this is infinitely more important than appearance. For, I'm old enough to know. I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I wanted to ask you, our, in a session, how long would a, a session need to be to help somebody get out of pain? 
I think that uh, you need to understand that the movement from pain can happen very, very rapidly, mm-hmm. or it might take a few sessions. Uh, when I was in private practice, I would always say to people, if I am, if we're not making significant progress in the intensity, frequency, duration, and location of your discomfort within three visits, I'm probably not going to be able to help you. And my visits were half an hour apiece. And uh, I, I should have been making some progress with those four aspects of pain, location, frequency, duration, and intensity within three visits. Uh, oftentimes, people would say after one visit, I'm a lot better, and if I have trouble tonight, I know exactly what to do. I know what I'm doing that makes this worse. I know what I can do to make it better. And this really begins with education. Uh, there have been numerous studies indicating that accurate edu- education regarding the origins of pain can have a tremendous effect on the amount of pain someone is currently feeling. This has everything in the world to do with context. I mean, uh, uh, these days, I walk into the patient's room, I've got a perfectly knotted tie Now, to me, this might not seem very important to anybody, but I know to many patients, simply looking at how carefully I tie my tie makes them feel better. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yes, I do. It... Yeah, and there's a, there's a wonderful example from... Uh, David Butler, who is my colleague in Australia, who's written books on adverse neural tension that are are well-referenced in my own writing. And uh, David, being from Australia, makes the point that when Americans say pain, they just say pain. But when he says pain, he's obligated, being an Australian, to say pine. (laughs) And that makes people feel worse. (laughs) I think you get that right away, don't you? Yeah. And and I, I love this uh, because David, in, in saying such a thing, understands how remarkably effective small things can be to our patients. And and you can be the, the greatest uh, technician in the world, but if you don't behave in a certain way in the patient's presence, it's not going to make the difference you'd like it to make. That's very powerful, and I assume yeah. that that's... Uh conveyed in the workshop. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's extremely important. And, and, and again, this is something massage therapists understand that my own colleagues in physical therapy seem not to understand. Massage therapists understand much more about their presence and the context. Again, the place where they do their massage, the things that they say, their tendency to be patient and to wait. Um, the physical therapists are all about Pain from weakness, you know. But weakness and pain have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. Strength and pain have nothing to do with each other. Posture and pain, I hate to tell you, have not been shown to be correlated. Uh, there are many myths out there, and, and many are perpetuated by the, literally by the evaluation forms we're forced to fill out these days in physical therapy. Not so much massage therapy, I don't think. That's so simple is about going after those myths. Let's talk about this. And... Uh, there's there's some vociferous conversations out there out there, but that's what science is about: having a, a very strict conversation uh, within our disciplines, talking about the evidence available and our underlying theory. These are these are important things to me. And so, in in a in a session using the simple contact methods, or in your experience, do you do you see sort of a a spontaneous release at times and people let out a big sigh? Like, what, what do you see 
people's reactions? That wouldn't be uncommon. Mainly what you're looking for is movement in response to a certain context. Uh, certainly, uh, a shift toward diaphragmatic breathing is a wonderful idea. That would be a specific lesson for anyone. Right off the bat, I want you to breathe diaphragmatically. I can give you 10 reasons why that's a good idea. You're having difficulty doing that right now. Let's see if we're doing better at that. And having educated them about what that is, is, uh, you know, something you can look at again at the end of the session. Uh, diaphragmatic breathing, however, I'm sure you would agree, is countercultural, is it not? Correct. Yeah. And, and to me, it's a wonderful example of how the culture is not, <laughs> culture is not interested in our, in our health. It's interested in controlling us and selling us crap. You probably would agree with that, too. I do, I do yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, the, the culture offers us tremendous insight. Uh, your mention of poetry uh, a little while ago and how you know, that's part of the culture. I mean, it, it can teach us so much. I get my own personal ver- uh, personality variant is to go to the movies and uh, see what I can glean from good movies. Not Smokey and the Bandit, but you know, a movie uh, put together by... A, a director and actors who really know what they're doing. I think there are often messages in there, and I've written up a written about this quite a bit, that uh, within art, within movies, all the same thing, there are, there are tremendous insights to be had. Culture offers us trouble. It also offers us the solution. And often I come across therapists who do their best to ignore the culture. Uh, I, don't, I don't pay attention. Well, that's, that's when it begins to control you, it seems to me. It's, it's our obligation to uh, attend to these I noticed as well in your description of the class, you also mentioned autonomic balance for pain release. Can you explain that, or is that the same as the neurodynamics? No, it's, it's really different. Uh, I think the word balance is probably misused here. What I'm talking about in our patients and clients is a lowering of sympathetic tone. A lowering of sympathetic tone. You don't really get a rise in parasympathetic tone. You simply get a lowering in sympathetic tone. Mm-hmm. Sympathetic being the system that, you know, fight or flight and parasympathetic, rest and digest. Uh, there's an important aspect here. Sympathetic drive will increase muscular activity. And we often see people in pain with a lot of muscular activity. This is typically thought to be something that needs to be relaxed. But I see it differently uh, using what they call uh, uh, evolutionary reasoning you think of it not as a problem in the system, but a solution waiting to be expressed. Uh, if, if I'm desperate to speak, my, the muscles that drive speech, and, and I don't dare, which happens to all of us, uh, the, muscle, the muscles that drive speech will heart, will they not? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that's the problem. Those are the words yet to be said. Where can I go? Well, if you can't speak at work, and if you do, you'll lose your job. You go to a friend. You go to someone who will let you speak, who won't interrupt you, who won't judge you when you speak, who won't tell you what to say. And this friend becomes very much a therapist for the muscles that drive speech. They move from isometric activity through isotonic activity to normal activity. So your friend doesn't say, shut up, relax. Your friend says, express it. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they do this typically in a nonverbal fashion. Well, people come to me with legs like that, with torsos like that, or whole bodies that are desperate to express something so that relaxation 
will be the payoff will will follow. That would go right along with a decrease in sympathetic tone. They're no longer behaving as if they have a gun to their head, but rather they have shifted via expression toward relaxation. They have to go through the expression, though. This, uh, and I'll be frank, does not include screaming and hollering and carrying on. It simply includes movement. That's what my expertise is in. It includes movements that are unexpected, but uh, produce the kind of change that you would expect if you came out of the hammerlock, if you untwisted yourself. Does that help? It does. Are there, is there a way to find therapists who have taken your class around the country, the Simple Contact Workshop? Are there people in Colorado we can see so we can kind of get an idea? I think it's a, it's an excellent question. I've been asked this for many, many years. I never kept the list of people who were at my workshops. And, I, and honestly, I don't think it had the effect on them that I'd hoped it would anyway. Teacher for cross-country and often doing other workshops. Uh, what I found was that therapists would come to class just looking for a day off from the drudgery of the clinic. Uh, and uh, if they if they glommed on to the ideas and the reading that I suggested, it would be news to me. What I have found in terms of a community that seems to understand are the other people who go to Soma Simple these days. Mm-hmm. I've, I've traveled around the Internet a whole lot. Now, you understand, Soma Simple doesn't pay me anything. I, I, it costs me money to be there. I, I'm there because in here, in this place, I have found like-minded therapists, not alike in their uh, in their theory so much, or even their method, but like-minded in their passion for the work of therapy, whether it's massage therapy or physical therapy, manual therapy, uh, Feldenkrais, yoga, uh, rolfing. We are all of us seeing the same clientele, people in pain, and we talk continually about how we might be with these people using what expertise we have and might gain to help them with their painful problems. That's where this community is, and uh, they extend all over the world at this point. If someone, however, were to go on Soma Simple and say, is there someone who understands things as Barrett does in Colorado? They'd get a reply, and, they, they, and I'd be glad to reply myself. Talk to so-and-so in, uh, you know, in some city near you, and there, there would be the answer to the question. But I'm no guru. I don't know how to list it. Students and I, I, I would never offer a certification or anything of that sort. It's, it's of no interest to me. Right. I, I do love the concept, though, and I'm, and I'm sure if, if there's people listening that are interested as well, you know, so, some of us like to feel and see the work and then take a workshop. And it sounds like Soma Simple, is that, and that's somasimple.com? S O M A S I M P L E. It sounds like that that would be also a, a good community for therapists to find like-minded individuals and possibly somebody who knows this type of work here in Colorado there, there or any other state. Absolutely, there's nothing to compare it to. Uh, several of the other moderators I've met personally, and I just I have the highest regard for these people. My, in my own opinion, Diane Jacobs working in Saskatoon or in Saskatchewan someplace these days, is, is an absolute genius and has, has worked out the, her technique she calls uh, dermal neuromodulation, DNM, uh, which is a handling very, very similar to my own. She's, she's worked out how this could possibly make a difference to people, continually referring to the neuroscience uh, necessary to explain it. 
in, in a fashion that is way beyond my own. I, I, I don't want to mention, I'll mention Diane. I, I, I don't want to leave anybody else out, so I won't mention any other names, but uh, the, this is the most generous and, uh, and uh, clinically relevant uh, group you could possibly come across. I've, I've waited my entire career for them to show up somewhere, and here they are. That's uh, I, I, what I want to do is promote this podcast on that site. So you'll have to send me the, the links and that sort of thing. I'll put a, put a blog post tomorrow and 300 people will read it in 24 hours. Great. Will, will do. And I have one question, Barrett. Um, can you describe one or two difficult scenarios that you had great results while using the simple contact technique? You know, I, I, it's an excellent question. I'm not sure that I could say I get great results. What I commonly see that other therapists have struggled with, and I see them successfully, are the patients who have no evident pathological process. There's nothing that requires healing or repair. There's no explanation for their problem within the traditional realm. Yet they can alter their pain with position or use. If their uh, social background or work background makes any therapist think that they might not actually have the pain that they're having, that, that will commonly be a patient who has been abandoned. And instead, I look at these people like anyone else. You know, they're someone in pain. They consistently respond to certain kinds of motion. They have never been handled with acceptance. Their musculature, desperate to speak, has not yet found a friend. I'm that friend. A simple contact and idiomotion. motion, finally the patient is no longer threatened. And a friend is there to help them understand how they can change their behaviors in the right direction. Now, that can include numerous uh, uh, traditional diagnoses. Uh, but to me, the underlying diagnosis that you primarily help with simple contact, with idiomotion, is the abnormal neurodynamic, which can be found within numerous other things, CRPS, uh, uh, so-called fibromyalgia. These things, to my, to my knowledge, oftentimes contain at least some elements of the abnormal neurodynamic, and you can help people function a whole lot better if they understand a few simple things. I see a lot of patients with fibromyalgia who were never taught how to breathe. And, and I don't understand this. You know, if they're breathing in an upper respiratory fashion, that's going to make any condition they have worse. If you can teach them how to breathe, you've employed simple contact, uh, you're with them as a friend, that's going to help. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that made a lot of sense, actually. And what about... Uh, have you had mus multiple sclerosis patients come in and that type? Do you find that simple contact is helpful for them? No. No. No, that's a, that's a, no. Uh, central nervous system problems of that sort, uh, neurobiologic uh, degenerative changes are not going to be helped by this. Certainly not. This is for painful problems. Okay. No question there's painful problems, you know, associated with muscular uh, degenerative problems, but I don't know how I can help that. On the other hand, someone with uh, a diagnosis of osteoarthritis in a specific joint, but certainly, and there are many people out there who have that, don't have any pain, you understand. Mm -hmm. You can oftentimes help these people to a tremendous extent by dealing with their nervous system, which to me for the patient in pain is the organ you should be targeting. You should go after the nervous system. That's the one involved. If I put you in a hammerlock, I pull numerous tissues tautly, connective muscular, contractile, uh, vascular, lymphatic, and nervous, which is the most sensitive of these. What's the nervous system? Let's deal with that. It's the only one that can signal, after all. 
and that's the one I go after. Uh, I, I do want to give one tiny example. If I, if I were to ask you to carve a piece of wood, and you're a carver, and I hand you a piece of wood, what would you want to know before you cut into the wood? Do you have an answer, Don? What would I want to know? What do you want me to carve? No. That might be the second thing you'd ask. But what's the first thing you want to know? What kind of wood is this? You see what I mean? I, I would think... I could tell if he handed it to me. <laughs> yeah, but you want to know that first, yeah, but you know, this, is, this is primal. You know, it's, if you don't know what you've got in your hands, you're not going to be much of a carver. And, and so many therapists handle patients, and they have a, a skewed idea of what it is they could possibly do with this thing in their hand. And this thing is an infinitely more complex thing than a piece of wood. But they need to handle it as if they were a, a, a craftsman. And... Uh, this time, they're handing, handling an animated object, something that can respond to context in relationship. That's what that to me is is uh, the real exciting thing about our work. The very exciting thing. Uh, often enough, the administrators in my business want want therapy to be a fungible commodity. The, the same massage for everybody works in the same way. Certainly, you know this is true, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, uh, but that's a good way for the for the higher ups to make money and plug people in who have a life. And I, I think that's a, that's a great tragedy. It's it's a, a terrible tragedy. We are individuals as therapists, and our patients are as well. We are going to be able to put them on an assembly line and go to town. We've got to understand this on a deep, much deeper and unique level. Heck, do you ever recite poetry to your patients? Uh, no, actually, I never do recite poetry to my clients. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Every once in a while, uh, you say the right thing, uh, you, you cite something like that, or talk about a movie they've seen. This can make all the difference in the world. But as far as I know, I'm the only one that can do that in my way. And yet, uh, I think you right away can see the worth of this if you have the courage as a therapist to go ahead and try that. With the right patient, I think you'll know this. I wish I knew a poem that would fit in here. They're out there. Well, and there's some great poems on your website. And yeah, that's true. for those of you listening and interested in the Simple Contact Workshop, you can find more information at his website, barrettdorco.com, which, of course, we will have a link on our website, massagepodcast.com. And I want to ask you another question about your book, Shallow Dive, Essays on Manual Care. That sounds like, just the title alone, sounds like it's something all of us can benefit from. And on a, on a different level, we're, we're used to being approached by so many different directions, and this seems like a nice place to, to go and, and absorb some good words on manual care. I'm, I'm glad you asked about that. Actually, the book is currently out of print. I sold out three editions, and I, I would like to put out a fourth edition. I probably will soon enough. It's available on Amazon. You can get used copies. Uh, and it's not essays on manual care. It's essays on the craft of manual care. Because, I, as I alluded to earlier, the craftsmanship, or the, the sensibilities of a craftsman are, are what truly comes to me as a, a manual care provider. Uh, shallow dive. Well, there's a story at the beginning of the book. This is a gesture my father used to make. And it's about how we as body workers, as uh, caregivers, cannot enter deeply into the patient by pressing harder on them. Uh, that kind of thing is, for the young therapist anyway, it ruins your hands, and there's no evidence that if I press real hard, 
get to a deeper structure without injuring you. Mm. This does not mean we can't stay on the surface of the patient and have a tremendous influence on the way that they feel. Now, Diane Jacobs would explain this as I would the other Ruffinis, which are uh, nerve endings or uh, they are receptors in the uh, outermost dermal layers that respond to lateral movement. I wrote a, a couple of blog posts recently about uh, Ruffini endings and about how you shouldn't poke people because you, you tend to elicit C-noceceptors. Uh, you, you want to you want to feed the brain something, but you don't want to feed it nociception, which is which is not helpful if you're trying to overcome a painful problem. One of my struggles with uh, both the physical and massage therapy communities is that there are so many people who tend to think that uh, forceful movement is somehow or other called for. But I've been working a long time, and I have I abandoned forceful care uh, 35 years ago. I do not move forcefully on people. I'm a big strong guy. I never use it except to lift them, which in my business your case I have to do. But I do not press on people. It doesn't make sense to me. If someone has an argument for that aside from, well, I did this and it worked, I'd love to hear that. And that's hard to convince clients because there are definitely people who come in and they're they're asking a therapist to give them all they have. And I want to feel pain and that's what's worked for me in the past. They have to go see someone else if they say that to me. Yeah, uh, and of course, I see that that's an outgrowth of what the culture has taught them. Right. That uh, you know the the phrase "no pain, no gain" is a is a meme, uh, an idea that is endured since Benjamin Franklin's time. He wrote that in Poor Richard's Almanac for crying out loud. And now it's endured. America's motto. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know it, and it endures because for two reasons: it rhymes, and uh, it's it's the battle cry of the Puritan ethic. <laughs> Without question. And, and I think that's it's a great tragedy. It's a great tragedy. I agree. And uh, very difficult to, to overcome. But, uh, you know, uh, nobody could look at me or talk to me and say, well, you don't do that because you can't. Well, that's not true. I sure as heck can. And uh, I know better. I know better. I think that's a good point for our listeners, too. I know, especially a massage, like you said, massage therapists coming right out of school, all of us, we come out and we want to power our way through all our clients. And it didn't yeah. take me long to... Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The, it, the therapist's hands will not last long doing such a thing. No, and you I think that. what you said is, well, if someone comes to me and they want all I have and they want pain, then maybe they should consider another therapist if you can't maybe point them in the different direction. Some, some, I it find will be easy for them. Yeah. Easy for them to find someone willing to do that. Right. Sure. But that's good advice. And we like to give our uh, listeners a tip of the week. And I'd like to in- throw that out there as a good tip, but do you have anything you'd like to share with our listeners as far as anything that you want to say, maybe take self care or work or a thought oh, of I've, the day? Right off the bat, one of the first things I get to my, say to my patients is get your feet apart. Get your feet apart. Abduction of the hips loosens the nervous system. Without question, this is the case. It's a biomechanical fact. Holding yourself at attention, and that means feet together, reduces the uh, diaphragmatic excursion via contraction of the psoas, so you're not going to breathe properly. We are taught to come to attention in the service so that others might control us more easily. If you were under physical attack, you would never hold yourself at a bench. That would be the last position you But it looks so good that we have been uh, seduced into thinking there's something healthy about it. Get your feet apart. Breathe diaphragmatically. You'll find that it's much easier to do so with your feet apart. That's 
a real good bit of advice. I love that advice. And that uh, it ties in with what we were talking about earlier, how people look. <laughs> Absolutely. If, yeah. Also kind of cool. So, yeah. Barrett, we would like to thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm, I'm oh, very, very glad to Jorge would like to say something. Yes. Uh, do you have any workshops coming in this year, Barrett? Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago, February 11th and 12th. Uh, that's being discussed. I'm almost simple right now. The location will be somewhere near downtown, uh, February 11th and 12th. And uh, Massage Therapy Community is certainly invited. They are welcome to call me. My, my phone number is on my website, for heaven's sake. Or to write me uh, at barrettburko at gmail.com. And uh, I'm going to going to be doing two one-day workshops there on Saturday all day and on Sunday the same workshop once again so that uh, it is more convenient for people. And uh, that's my plan at the moment. I don't have anything else scheduled right now, but I would be happy to schedule some more stuff. That's wonderful. And again, uh, BarrettDorco.com, all of his information is on his website. And it sounds as though SomaSimple.com is a good resource for all all of us, anybody. Yes, <laughs> as, absolutely. Yeah, especially. And this has been a wonderful interview and uh, very interesting and different than we've had so far. And we just want to wrap this up. And you've been listening to the Massage Podcast, a community for massage therapists and manual body workers and everything we've been <laughs> talking about and physical therapists anybody who's touching people and people's lives and you can find us at massagepodcast.com join us live during recordings and find us on facebook and twitter or leave us a message at 303-656-9860 everybody have a peaceful day and thank you again barrett you're welcome